You know what I just remembered, Dylan? We'd have a show on Monday. So I never gave out a ring. How about a little late week edition of it? Who Gets the Ring is presented by Ruback Fine Jewelry. You can go check out their brand new location in downtown Overland Park. They've moved after 32 years. Again, now open in downtown Overland Park. You can check them out online at ruback.co. That's R-U-B-A-C-K dot C-O. I got my ring from there. I got uh, my wife's ring from there. You should get anything you need. Uh, engagement season, holidays, all of that, of course. Uh, Ruback Fine Jewelry. I'm giving the ring to the entirety of the Pop-Tarts Bowl uh, committee. The marketing team, the Pop Tart mascot itself, all absolutely ring worthy. And, uh, that's the fitting, the fitting and necessary recipient of, uh, Ruback Fine Jewelries. Who gets the ring for this week? Uh, but also, got a real ring winner in here with us right now. Matt Derrick is with us from ChiefsDigest.com. You can also hear him on 41 is the mic with Nick Jacobs. He's brought to you by Cap One Lending. The Freedom Loan at Cap One Lending is the exclusive loan that helps you pay your home off in less than half the time and gives you access to your home's equity without having to refinance. Go to CapOneLending.com. Matt, do the uh, do the Chiefs want to see if the Bengals can maybe do any lending of a wide receiver to them for the remainder of the season? Or, or at this point, is that well poisoned? Are they, do these two teams truly hate each other? I mean, I I would assume that right now, based on what I heard driving in, that if the Chiefs need anything barred from the Bengals, I guess it would be a cornerback. I, I guess you know that's a I great mean, point, yeah. a Jalen Ramsey type. Yeah, since apparently the Chiefs <sighs> don't have any defensive players and certainly no corners that can cover the Bengals. I I do like that. There's some real vitriol in yeah. in this rivalry um, because I think most of the time it's a little bit made up. I think I think the Bills and Chiefs have a lot of the Bills have a lot of frustrations from the Chiefs, but it seems like it's some mutual respect by and large. Um, I don't know if you've gotten any whiff of it so far uh, this week, or maybe we'll we'll get a little bit today. But th- this one feels legitimate. I, I feel like both of these teams genuinely have a, a real level of disdain for each other. Uh, they do. I mean, it. Didn't- Goes back a while. I mean, and it, and the the trash talking has gone in ebbs and flows in a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Because remember last year, it was Justin Reed and the Chiefs who were coming out and kind of firing some shots and everything. And I can I would bet my house that Monday, Tuesday rather, after the game Monday, that Andy Reed first thing out of his mouth was probably you guys aren't talking crap. And he probably said, you guys played like crap on Monday, so you can't talk crap this week. So keep your mouth shut. I think the defense should be allowed to talk this week if they want to. But really, if, after the, if you win this game, the defense then gets bleep talking cards. Save your talk until after the game. Yeah, that's and fair. And then you can say whatever you want. I think that's that's probably for the best. Um, we haven't talked since the game because we did not have our customary post-game no. conversation. Um, but you were out there and... I was going to say enjoying the holiday at Arrowhead, but I, I just—I wouldn't say I was enjoying it. I—I I don't think almost anyone, almost anyone did either in the press box or wearing red in the stadium. Uh, but but go ahead and let's hop in our time machine. What what was the vibe like uh, post game once you got into the locker room there Ooh. for the post game press conferences? I have to imagine it was a, it was a rough scene. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I mean, there was there was not a lot of activity in that locker room. Not gonna lie. There were, wasn't a lot of guys that really wanted to say anything. The and a lot of the offensive players, uh, frankly, got dressed and got out of there because 
they were ready to get on with their holiday. Yeah. Some of the defensive guys, too, but, you know, I mean, and some of the defensive guys talked, and there was a couple of offensive guys talked, so I don't want to throw everybody under the bus there. But, no, it was uh, there was a lot of crickets. I mean, it was pretty quiet down there. And, no, I mean, I think that's certainly, I think you saw a, a fairly frustrated Patrick Mahomes, at least the disappointed Patrick Mahomes. I don't want to put too much onto him. Disappointed Chris Jones. Um, Andy Reid, I mean, I'll say, you know, it has been a little, I don't know, even keeled through all of this. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm used to Andy being a little bit more frustrated by this, and so I don't know if it's just simply that he is kind of knows what he has and is just kind of rolling with the punches, or if he knows what he has and he feels like there's something that we're just not seeing. Yeah, let's, let's dissect that. So that feels like the two options. It feels like he either is in an acceptance place, where he knows what he has, and we're just gonna we're gonna play this season out and hope we get lucky, or he knows what he has and he knows it's gonna get better. Where would your money be in terms of what what he's feeling right now? I mean, just based on what we have seen, I mean, I have to think it's the former than the yeah. latter. I mean, you know, I mean, and, and there's probably, and I know, I've, you know, there's, I've talked to Chiefs fans who are kind of in that category too that have just said, hey, you know what, this isn't the year. I mean, even though the defense has been so good. And it's just that, you know, it's what do you have on offense? And whether it's guys just having bad years, whether it's, you know, some guys not playing up to their potential, just things not clicking. I mean, it could be a lot of different things. And there's so much going on behind the scenes that we never know about. And I don't say that in a casting uh, aspersions of, you know, guys aren't trying or there's no accountability. I mean, I think that there's all of that going on. I mean, I think that people are being accounted. I think there's trying. But we just don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, yeah. so maybe a guy's having a bad year. I mean, this is like I was I was talking by my guy Nick Jacobs, I think, on our podcast the other day. Forty one is the mic, you know, quiet plug there. I loudly plugged I mean, in as you were. You are you very kind to loudly I'm, plug it. I I'm, mean, I'm going are, to loudly plug it when necessary. You are you're a true fan and a supporter, so I appreciate you, Josh. I, I you know what I would have appreciated you meeting Nick's level of festivity because he's been bringing the heat from he's, a festive perspective, yeah. and I don't want to say he's embarrassed you. But he's embarrassed he's you. He's shown me up for he sure. He really has. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, that's absolutely. And I'm, I'm sixty percent convinced that for the, the for the video pod after the game this week that Nick is going to dress up as a New Year's baby. So. <laughs> is it too late for you guys to do one old man and one 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 baby? I mean, if not, I volunteer to be the old man. Oh, so. that's fabulous. Okay, you were going to make a salient point about something, but I just wanted to shout out how excellent Nick's I mean, visual I was, editions. I was, has been. I was just going to, you know, quote Roy Kent. You know, right, can you do that on the radio? <laughs> <laughs> well, the quote, the clean version of Roy Kidd. Uh huh. But just say, you know, hey, you don't know what's going on. I mean, maybe a guys having a bad year because things are bad at home. I mean, right. you never know. I mean, we don't know what goes on in these guys' lives. So, I, you know, I do know that saying that so and so is having a bad year because he's not trying or nobody's holding him accountable is for the most part crap. Yeah. Now, is it possible that hey, the Chiefs just? need somebody different whether it, it because i think i think it's come my, i've come certainly come to the realization and the acceptance that i think the chiefs not only probably missed the voice of an eric Bieniemy, i think they missed the voice of a juju smith schuster yeah. you know i think it's regardless of what he did on the would do on the field i mean he was a leader and and not that you know not to knock anybody in that room right now but it's a very young room and juju was a guy who'd been around the block a few times and you know, there's something different when you see a guy like that who is at that you know has done as much as he has in his career, who has the miles on him that he has, and even though Juju is relatively still young mm-hmm. in those respects, he's not in 
far as the miles go. Yes. He'll tell you. I mean, the, the, the wheels have got a lot of you know, wear on the tread. Yes. And, but when you see that guy working as hard as he does, and that's why, you know, even Tyreek, and I don't say you miss Tyreek from a field standpoint because you want a Super Bowl without him. Mm-hmm. But Tyreek had probably the best work of ethic of any NFL player I've ever seen wow. at practice. I mean, because he, I mean, it's true, all the stories. I mean, everybody says he goes 100% all the time. And 100% of Tyreek Hill is a lot. And it's a lot, yeah. I mean, it's just the way it is. You know, you miss a guy like that, yeah. you know, that just either, you know, challenges you. I mean, you know, once again, I mean, it's, to me, I think every one of these coaches hold their guys accountable. But Eric Bieniemy, you know, for, I think a word I can say on the radio, because it's been said many, many times, is a competitive prick. <laughs> so I get Mahomes as one, but sometimes you need another one, Yeah, you know. And I was talking with some folks the other day, and, you know, you know, one thing, a great thing that I think that the last few years that Eric Bieniemy had been, and, and and I don't know, you may have friends that have said this to you too, mm-hmm. on various podcasts, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, so maybe, I may be even quoting somebody else, I don't know, but the Chiefs, you know, Eric Bieniemy and, and Andy Reid had such a good cop, bad cop thing going Yeah. And they don't, I don't know if they have a bad cop right now on offense. They've got bad, good guy, good cop, bad cops on defense. Mm-hmm. Because Steve Spagnuolo's good. He's good, a good cop. Good cop to have as a DC. Yep. And Joe Cullen and Brendan Daly and Dave Merritt. I mean, Dave Merritt said Shabari Connor stinks. He said he he's a dunk. <laughs> I mean, when you're willing to say that about your player and then love him up, I mean, that's. That's some old cold hard reality. I we, mean, this is something that Dylan Dylan brought this up that day, and then I've talked about it more since. Because like this is, I get a little bit uncomfortable being too definitive with this kind of analysis because it's very vibes based and it's very yeah. press conference based. So that's my precursor. But the Chiefs' defensive press conferences from Spags every week because you want to talk about consistent behavior on tape. A Steve Spagnuolo press conference, it's gonna bring a smile to my face. I'm gonna I'm gonna digress here for just one moment. It's all digression. To point out because. Uh, when I, you were, I, I guess I was hearing it. I don't think you guys played. I guess I was listening to it on my own on the way and just, just refreshing myself from yesterday's pressers. But um, S- Steve's got a great one that he leans on when talking about, especially backup quarterbacks or replacement quarterbacks, because the number of times that he'll say, oh, you know, I, I look at Bailey Zappi and I'm thinking, is that Tom Brady back is, there? Is that Brady? Is that Joe Burrow or, or, or Jake Brown? Can't tell the difference. I mean, is is that Derek Carr or Aiden McConnell? <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> These guys all look the same to me. Is that Patrick Mahomes or Blaine Gabbert? I don't know. It, it's amazing. It's amazing that Spags has been such a good defensive coordinator while only watching film in like 240p. Like, he, it is just pixels <laughs> there. He, he just uses the dots. It's just the numbers that change. Uh, he's the best. But, like, every week he's the same energy-wise. And then you do hear from Dave Merritt or or Brendan Daly or Joe Cullen, who also do great press conferences. And, again, you know, you don't need to get hired based off your press conference ability. But Dylan made the point when Dave Merritt said that about Shamari Connor was, like, you just – you don't say that if you're walking on eggshells in the room. Like, if if, if uh, Connor Embry came out and said, no, look, in training camp, I thought Rasheed Rice stunk. Everyone would have been like, you what? <laughs> you thought he what? And how many other receivers do you think stink, Connor? Like, again, it's just, it's it's yeah. a different energy. And there is so much more looseness and and fun permeating through the defensive side of the ball that when it gets... In front of the camera, and you can see it. I wonder what that means about the meeting rooms. Because right now, if you said, hey, this is th- this has never been true in the Andy Reid era until this year, and until these last few weeks, I feel like it's been cemented for me. If you said, hey, I'm just going to drop you, invisibility cloak, fly on the wall, into an offensive or defensive meeting room, 
where where do you want to be? Just to, where do you want to spend your next hour? I'm sure I'd learn a lot and be able to learn a lot from the offensive side. But I'd much rather hang at the defense's Christmas party this year than the offense's Christmas oh, it'd be party. A much happier party. There's a no much doubt about happier that. party, no, no doubt. And that is that is wild to me, but it's it's absolutely true. And you know, and this is the thing. I mean, when you're playing the way that the defense is, and no, I haven't gotten a chance to be in the meeting rooms, but you get little snippets here of what the players talk about and everything. And so. I'm willing to bet what I imagine is going on in those meeting rooms right now, at least the general tone. I won't say these are specific things that are being said, but the general tone. I mean, I would bet that in the me- that the defensive meetings, for the most part, you know, it's a pretty joyous occasion. I mean, it's there's there's plenty, and when they and they when they go over the mistakes, they're having fun with that too. Yeah, because it's going to be like, hey, you know what? Here's the five best plays that we had today. All right, here, look at those. And be like, okay, here are the ten times that you guys were just F-ups. Yep. <laughs> and these are hilarious. Let me show you these. Yep. And in the offensive rooms, I am sure that it's, you know, just the the dreaded dead silence of, you know, studying for a chemistry exam, yeah. you know, final. Yep. And the teacher just droning on because it's like, okay, well, here's a mistake here and here's a mistake here. But you know what, guys? Look at this play right here. This play right here, it was only one play in the entire game against the Raiders, but if we played like this for 60 plays instead of just one, if this play right here was it, Super Bowl champs. Super Bowl right Super here. Super Bowl champs right there. And because that's what you get, you're getting from Mahomes and you're getting from Reed. I mean, it's just, that's just it's a tick away, you know, that the, you, you know, Mahomes has seen them play mm-hmm. at their best. Mm-hmm. So why can't you play? There's, there's no, re- he says, there's no reason why they can't play at their best every single snap. Well, clearly there has been a reason because they haven't done it. It's because they're human beings and they're yes. not they're not they're the not level robots. of they're, they're not, not robots. They're not pop tarts. They're not they don't <laughs> just come out right almost every single time. We will talk about pop tarts and edible mascots at some point. We've started very serious here, and that's that's my fault as a host. But um I I I have to imagine if we're all sick of hearing them say, Oh, they're just a tick off. I, I imagine that so is the entire offense. I mean so help me sure. help me splice this one up in terms of of watching the game in real time and seeing the live all twenty two and now we've had kind of the whole week to digest it a little bit. Speaking of pop tarts, um, I should need to check my blood sugar again. Pop tarts, absolute sugar bombs. You, you you never would guess it, but a lot of carbs in those suckers. I had an Ohio State fan send me some donuts this morning, so I I, I could be in real trouble. You never know. No, oh, especially boy, since I was wearing, say, you're wearing, wearing the Mizzou shirt. You're so. wearing the colors, so I'm yeah. worried. I'm worried then that you might. Interesting. You keep an eye on all sorts of your vital signs. I mean, I'm not. Throwing away the donuts, trust no, me. So I'm eating those donuts. Gotta eat, definitely got to eat the donuts. Just at least check it for cotton because that's not going to work as well as it did for Pop Tarts <laughs> yesterday. I hope, it, yeah, give me the cotton stuffed donut and uh, I'll end Mizzou straight up. Thanks. But we, when you're seeing that in real time and we have the whole week going on beyond it, it seems to me, talking to people who are smarter than I am and have re- had the stomach to rewatch this game more than I have, how many plays were there where everyone did their job on the offensive side? Not many. Not many. And I feel worse. And seriously, do let me know if, if you disagree with any layer of this. But if it's true that that game was this play, the offensive line blew it. This play, the wide receivers blew it. This play, Mahomes blew it. Missed a block, miscommunication, didn't get open. Mahomes dropped his eyes, bailed out of the pocket, whatever. I I am even more discouraged by that than I would be like, oh, man, one more just got baptized by Max Crosby. They never figured it out. On to the next one. Because if that was it, you could say, all right, 
learning experience, elite player, don't let it happen next week against Trey Hendrickson or whatever. Like, that would be easier to handle for me than this idea that, like, it's just somebody else's fault basically every play because I don't know how you fix that. I'm not sure either. And clearly, I mean, Andy Reid and his, his staff doesn't know or they would have fixed it by now. Um, I mean, now, I would generally classify a lot of the things that I see in the two categories, and I think I would also base this just on what the, the players and the coaches have told us as well. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think that the two biggest categories of errors are just focus and overcompensating. And nobody's going to say that put the overcompensating in those terms. That's my term for it. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what it is because, you know, is there is there complete trust across the board right now? Everybody on offense? No. I mean, that's that's the issue. And, and you know, and Steve Spagnuolo has talked about this on the defensive side, mm-hmm. you know, and because he has his little, you know, my job plus. Right. Little, little phrase that he talks about, which yes. is that you do your job. That's the first thing you focus on. And you get your job done, then you can do a little more. But you do your job first and then worry about that. Well, right now I see an offense that's worried that somebody else isn't doing their job. So I got to help make up for that. If I'm Patrick Mahomes, I mean, and I think, I think, I mean, he told, basically told us this on Wednesday. He was trying to do too much. Yeah. And there's no doubt. I mean, when you see Mahomes start drifting in the pocket, bad things have happened. And he's been doing that for a few weeks now. And when he starts drifting in the pocket, it's usually because, honestly, He's trying to force something to happen. He's trying to he, he is he is overlooking maybe open receivers short because he's hoping that something deep is going to develop. He's working on it. I mean, he's trying to see if that if if he waits just a little bit longer, maybe something will happen. And when he does that, you know, with his footwork and everything, he starts moving a little bit out of the pocket and everything. Well, you start drifting a little bit, and what happens? Well, now you're no longer in the pocket. Now right. you have stepped out of your protection. So now, no matter how well your tackles are playing. Whatever they're doing, you have now run in, you have stepped into pressure. Yep. So then everything starts to break down. If you're a receiver, you know, and you're trying to overcompensate for all of this, now you're not where Mahomes expects you to be. Because now you're trying to figure out, you're trying to do some Jedi mind tricks now to get open. And what you need to do is exactly what your route is. Hmm. And some of the focus issues that we're seeing, I mean, some of it, and, and you know what? Some of this could even go back to the off season. Yeah. Because you know, think about it in this way. And and I don't think that Andy Reid was wrong. I mean, I think he read his team right. Once again, this is a team that has come off a lot of you know long seasons, and we kind of hailed it last year because the whole you know what we're we're not going to skip phase one of OTAs in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. You guys rest, skill guys go down to Texas and work with Mahomes. And then we'll get together, you know, later in phase two and phase three and bang it all out and everything. Well, I think that worked last year for sure when you had so much continuity. Yeah. But this year, you know what? You have two new tackles. You didn't really get them on the field until almost May. Yeah. And by that point, I mean, if you're wanting to do something different, I mean, if you are bringing in new guys that maybe have a different style, that want to mesh in with what you do, because... I mean, to, there's nothing wrong with the way that Jawan Taylor plays. Hmm. A lot of tackles around the league play the way Jawan Taylor plays, whether it's the alignment. Okay, does he line up maybe a couple inches deeper than some other guys do? Okay, I'll grant you that. Um, but is he the only guy in the league that goes off cadence? No. 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 But if you got, if that's how you play, you know, you really, like a guy like Trey Smith, needs time 
to know where he because now he spent you know the last two years of his you know career playing a different style he's been playing mostly in text to andrew wiley who plays a completely different style yeah doesn't go on cadence he watches the ball so it's a different thing so now you know and and joe tooney's on the same side now joe tooney's got a lot more experience so i think he's be able to handle a little bit differently but he's playing next to a new tackle too but once again donovan smith late addition so Hey, are some of the problems you're seeing in protection and some of the issues you're seeing with as far as where the pocket is, does that go back to the fact that these guys just haven't as much time? Yeah, maybe it does. Does it, you know, now, I, I, that doesn't explain the receivers because, of course, we heard, hey, everything's down, you know, great, going great down in Texas. Everybody, it's kumbaya. Everybody's on the same page playing video games and catching footballs, and, you know, having wings and chips and everything. <laughs> it's all going great. But at the same time, you know, during training camp, Chiefs were trying to keep nine receivers in the rotation and keep them and keep them hungry and everything. Yeah, and obviously, you obviously didn't have Kadarius, and that didn't even include Kadarius. Tony. Right, he's the one guy who this doesn't apply to for and, all his issues. But then you get a Kadarius Tony, and he doesn't play for six weeks, and then all of a sudden you shove him out there in week one and say, you know, go get it, and shatter his confidence. And I'm not sure that he's ever been the same since. Yeah, I think that's probably so. Right. He has spent the. I, I mean. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm digressing way too long here and pontificating way too much, but it's December 29th, and we're just going to empty out the year. This is what literally what we're here we're for, just, is to pontificate about cheap it's, stuff. It's You're a holiday like, weekend, and we're just dumping out the notebook here, Josh. Dump that notebook. But, you know, I mean, I do I mean, I mean, do feel like that, that he's you know, tried the entire year to overcompensate for what happened in week one, which, honestly, wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, he should have been given more time. I mean, I think Andy Reid will tell you. I mean, the prior coaching staff will probably tell you in retrospect, yeah, you know what, we should have backed off his snaps in week one, should have given him a little bit less of a workload, let him get his feet wet and everything, and then ramp him up. Instead, they threw him out there in the deep end in week one and didn't go well. And now you probably just broke him for the entire year. Yeah. And then, you know, you have bad luck, too. I mean, Travis Kelsey, not having a Travis Kelsey year, still fantastic because he's a Hall of Famer. Yep. But he's a 34-year-old year who hyperextended his knee before week <laughs> An one. An hour before the first game. And guaranteed that he was not going to be pretty much healthy the entire season. Yep. So, you know, I mean, there's so many little things. And, yeah, I get it. I mean, and if the Chiefs' perspective is, hey, if everybody is healthy and everybody's playing as well as they can, this team's a Super Bowl team. I am not disputing that. Sure. It is 100% true. Sure. But team that showed up on Monday ain't winning anything. Nothing. One more thing on Monday's game and on the receivers that I'm I'm curious if you were seeing it in real time, if you've seen this since then. Mahomes was asked about it and talked about it a little bit. Where there was some stuff downfield where MVS was getting open and Mahomes either didn't see him or saw him and said, not you. Not not you. Honestly, MVS would have earned that if that's what's happening. Mahomes would have earned that if that's what's happening from the number of times that MVS was not in the right spot or he was in the right spot and the ball hit him in the hands and then fell to the ground, him not fighting for contested balls, whatever. To me, that seems like the the lost trust that we talked about many times earlier throughout the season kind of coming home to roost in that moment there. But also, with this group the way it is right now, if I'm wide open 40 yards downfield. Mahomes has to throw it to me because I'm there. Now, I will also drop it, but at least I'll have a new low light for everybody, and I'll maybe I'll wear a different number. But, like, I, I'll give me something in the 80s, and I think he's got to take that. So it, it, did you see that also happening in the game? And then how do you rationalize? It, it, is there such a thing as a deep passing game for this version of the Chiefs? 
is there any chance that that trust gets rebuilt at all with MVS? I mean, it could absolutely be the trust issue. I mean, absolutely could be. But I saw it more as, you know, on those snaps when, when Marquez is on the field. And admittedly, he was on the field a lot, a lot, a lot. But right now, I mean, you know, Marquez has been a receiver whom in the past, you know, was probably sometime. I mean, and I'm saying sort of the last two years, mm-hmm. was maybe frequently the averaging second or third as far as, you know, the target preference, who, sure. whom the play was, this, you know, <clears throat> which progression he was. Mm-hmm. There's, and there's a few where he's going to want. I mean, the, the first progression. I mean, maybe it's a deep ball. I mean, that's a lot of, you know, Marquez's bread and butter. He lives on the deep balls. So they've had a lot of things. You know, a lot of deep balls have been designed for Marquez. And they hit on some. They don't hit on others. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously Marquez, bless his heart, one of the things that he brought with him from Green Bay was a reputation for making very difficult catches and dropping some easy ones. Yep. Once a week, he's going to drop one that's going to make your head scratch. Yep. So he's lived up to that reputation. I mean, but then he's also lived up to the reputation of making some really good catches, too. Mm-hmm. So you've got to give him that. But in a game like Monday, I saw it more as, okay, the first progression on pretty much every play is either Kelsey or another tight end, but usually Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, sometimes flip that order, but mm-hmm. those two guys are were probably those two guys who are tight end were probably the primary target on of what, forty four in the throws that Mahomes made. They were probably the preferred choice on probably twenty five to thirty of them. Yeah. You know, so then who's your third progression? Well, on some plays it might be a second tight end. I mean, it could be another receiver. So I would say that for the most part, you know, uh, and a running back was probably was is usually your third. Yeah. I mean in your progression. So now you're even talking about McCoy's is maybe the fourth or fifth. And a lot of times on a lot of plays, I mean, your progressions don't even go down that far. Right, sure. I mean, if you're the fifth guy in the in the progression, you know, you're probably getting the ball only if all heck is broken loose. Yes. It's a fire drill, and you just kept running and found some space that was wide open. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I know, I think you may have even tweeted about, involved in the discussions on the tweet and everything, because I think I saw your, just your name in conjunction with things <laughs> I got dragged into, too, Great. as well. good, Sorry. But like on Mahomes' interception. Yeah. You know. And it was like, oh, Justin Ross is completely wide open and everything. Well, Justin Ross was completely wide open because I, I think, by and large, the defensive back, safety there, you know, and Jack Jones in particular, you know, realized Justin Ross was the fifth progression. Yeah. Ball, ball's not going to him. Yeah. There's a zone, and, hey, somebody can deal with that in the zone and everything. But here's a guy over here that the ball is intended for because this guy is not getting it. So I don't need to, co- I don't need to worry about him. Yeah. So I'm going to go where the ball is going. And that's why he was able to read it because he knew ball's not going to Justin Ross. I mean, now some of those screenshots were also taken like the, b- the ball time. may have yeah. been in almost midair. A couple of them. It, it, be careful with screenshots of of, of passing plays. Screenshots everybody. Are, are bad. They can lie. They can lie. They absolutely can. But and, you know, and and to me, and, and like that's one of those cases, though. I mean, Justin Russell was the fifth progression, I'm sure, in that play. Yep. So, and and it was also a timing play. It was designed to get rid of the ball quickly. Yep. So the only way that Mahomes was going to be looking at Justin Ross in that situation would be if probably three linemen whiffed on their blocks and he didn't even have the one and a half seconds he needed to get rid of the football. You know, it was just like everything would have to go wrong. And I think that's probably the thing with Marquez. I mean, right now, if he's the fourth or fifth progression, well, Mahomes is going back and he's going one, two, three, and then he's going back to one, two again, one, two, three, maybe, you know. And, and, now, and now, granted, we've seen him a lot go one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, bail. Right. You know. And so, yeah, I mean, that's and so that's where I think a lot of it is. I mean, it, once again, just where, where you asked six minutes ago, I think, is it confidence? It could be. 
But if it is confidence, it's probably confidence from everybody. Yeah. Because if you're not getting plays designed where you're the one or two in the progression, well. Your snap yeah. count is not the same thing as your trust count <laughs> or yeah. your or your and number even, one or number two read count. And even, you know, your targets can't even be reflective of, I mean, you know, if, if we truly just knew who the progression was on each play, that would be a totally different metric than oh, your God, snap yeah. count or even your targets. That'd be great. Maybe do you think Andy would start giving us that? Maybe just after the game, I like say, hey, that. just hey, yeah. each 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 rep, we one of you guys just go get one of your quality control guys to go through and just tell us what the progression was each play. I can't imagine NFL coaches getting defensive and, about that. And 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 sometimes it's going to change. I mean, pre snap because sure. you know you see look up, you Mahomes comes up and sees okay, I was expecting man, we got zone here. So now I'm looking at somebody completely different, or I need to motion this guy over here to, you know, see what's going, see what's happening. You know, a lot can change. But I mean, now are some of the things just to put a bow on this and everything? I mean, are some of the things still true that the, you know the Chiefs right now maybe outside of Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey don't have a true zone buster? Yeah, I mean that's that's probably very very accurate. Um, Justin Watson is a great complimentary receiver. His best attribute, for the most part, is running routes that the defense has to just, you know, has to respect respect enough yeah. to help get somebody else free. Yep. You know, he's just trying to he's trying he's eye candy, yep. and you have to pay attention to him because he's just dangerous enough that if you don't pay attention to him, then Mahomes will find him, and you're going to give up 27 yards. That eye candy who's de- just dangerous enough is Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest, brought to you by Cap One Lending. We'll take a timeout, come back, talk a little more about some Chiefs things as we look ahead to New Year's Eve against the Bengals. And uh, also, I watched a Christmas movie that people have apparently seen I before. I really need to get your thoughts on this. I will I will share that with you. I want to get your thoughts on the next great edible mascot, uh, whatever well, way that thoughts. goes. So we'll, uh, we'll break down all of those things and maybe even some more football with Matt Derrick when we come back in the zone. Well, Matt, I think our break conversation may have answered our pre-break tease. Did it? <laughs> it answered one of them. It answered one of them. It answered one of them for sure because we, as frequently happens, this is Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest if you're just joining us, um, and then uh, Reese'sCupDigest.com should start redirecting there at some point. Um, I don't know if that exists or not yet. We talk about uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups on a pretty frequent basis. Matt has brought them to to us for the show before. We have talked about them on many occasions. And I asked before the break, like, what what is the, following in the footsteps of the the absolute? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say legend trailblazer that is the Pop Tarts mascot. Um, after that entire um, experience that we all shared last night. What's the next food item that needs to be a walking, living mascot? And what's the next mascot that needs to be edible? I think Reese's may actually have a mascot that shows up like at the Senior Bowl. They're they're yeah, all over they, that. I think it does, yeah. But I don't think it's edible. And I think this might no. be one that we could do if it's cold enough around it. You could a chocolate yeah. might hold up a little bit. I yeah. I don't I don't know if a, an edible Reese's mascot would hold up in a dome, but. Probably not. I mean, but football weather outdoors. I mean, you can't. I don't think. You, I don't think you'd be okay in Orlando. But no, <laughs> no, that might. I but, don't know that the temper would hold. I mean, where's a good cold? I mean, I mean, you know, the, the uh, well, can't be the pinstripe bowl, but somewhere in that area. Yeah. Well, I, I was actually thinking the pinstripe bowl would be great. They just got rid of you know the sponsor. Yeah, sponsor. Got a new sponsor. Yeah. Exactly. 
Um, it can't be. You you won't want to replace the potatoes in the Boise. Bowl, this is a very so. the mascot here is is throwing a oh football and wearing like a kind of old timey like yeah. uh, like one of those old like Acme Packers sweaters or something with a big R I mean, on the front. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm saying here. I mean, this—that's not like gritty level of vibes, but that is absolutely giving off some violent crime vibes to me. Like, you know, I can see that mascot actually haunting you in your sleep. Also, can play yeah. basketball, so it's a hooper. I think that's Ooh. actually an improvement on what this version, <laughs> which is <laughs> oh, no. which is even more horrific to me. Um, so, just the Reese's mat, just the Reese's head here is like the cup. So I feel like you could definitely, yeah, you could definitely have one of those made out of chocolate that, pe- that then a winning team could take a bite out of. Yeah, I'm. I I, I was really confused by the pop tart thing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was. I mean, and and to, and kudos. I mean, as the former PR guy, I mean, kudos to the people of Pop Tart because Incredible. they absolutely crushed it from you know a, an earned revenue standpoint here and earned coverage and everything. So, I mean, kudos to them. I mean, we're talking about it now, and so they've they've gotten their bang for their buck there. But I mean, was I? So they put a pop tart and toast. I mean, a, like a live pop tart that was animated and living apparently, and put him into a pop tart toaster, and then three D printed out a larger, almost it seemed like that. Doesn't seem like you're confused about anything. I think you nailed it. I mean, <laughs> That's exactly what, what's, what's I mean, confusing I, about that. I don't. I don't remember when I put my pop tarts in the toaster that they come out the bottom sideways. This is something Dylan and I have discussed that next year they're going to need to have like a helicopter with some tongs fly over yeah. and pick it up out of they it. They need those like same kind of wires and staging that you know, like yes. you know, the Super Bowl and Rihanna have. And everything. Yes, yeah, that's, yes, because it, it needs to go in the toaster and then come back out. You know, and you've got two slots in the toaster there, so you, the, doing the little bait and switch would be easy. I yeah. mean, even. Knievel has done this for years. You just fire the pop tart. Thank you. Out of the toaster. That is an even better and idea. I'm going to be lie. I mean, I didn't see any toast marks on that thing. I mean, there really needs to be some scorch marks on that frosting and everything. I am 90 percent absolutely in love with everything that happened after the pop tarts bowl, and 10 percent of me was a little disappointed that the actual mascot costume wasn't in any way edible and that they did do the little bait and switch that, that you I think accurately I mean, saw I do, I have I do have a follow-up to that question which is how many costume mascots are edible is that a thing oh I think zero probably okay. you just I want had... the first one you want yes you wanted to be the first did you one. hear my hour one uh, proposition I heard I think the, maybe the last half of it so you know I, I heard, think I, I joined in the middle of the Pringles conversation I so. think the Pringles is the one to do I think Reese's cups and uh, just just doing the head and then I think with the Pringles, the, the mascot, the outside of the mascot doesn't have to be edible. But you have, I'll go, the Missouri Tiger come sprinting over at the giant eight-foot-tall Pringles can. As soon as the clock hits zero and they win. Like, this is like... If like, there's a play under review... It, it precedes the handshake on the field. Yes. Maybe, maybe it coincides. It is happening as the coach is getting dunked in Gatorade. See that that's right there's where you lost me because uh-uh. I mean you need to dunk the coach in, in Pringles. I mean it needs oh, to be a can canister do, we should of do Pringles that, that we're dunking the coach We into. we should absolutely do that as well. Um we will make sure there are Pringles all over the place. And again, if they do want to pay us, you can just go ahead and call us up and the three of us will, will work on this for you for an exorbitant amount of money. But eight foot tall Pringles can then gets blown up by the mas- the winning team's mascot. 
falls to the ground, and in truly grisly, horrifying fashion, the lid pops off, and Pringles just comes spilling out like a pinata, and then he just has to lay there lifeless <laughs> while the rest of the team eats Pringles I off did, the ground. I did sense that you really want some gore and violence to this edible mascot aspect that I'm not sure that the brands are really seeking. I mean, I don't know if that's the image that you want for your brand. Is your mascot dead on the ground and people feasting on his innards? I think the Pop Tarts people have we've were, were we in that it's a brave park? new era now. It's a did you see the did you see I the corpse? The... <laughs> I did not see the corpse. Oh, that it's is... it's oh, just the is... eye and a little bit of frosting around oh, it. Wow, and... that is it's grisly. That is that's very unfortunate. It's grisly. Yeah. I think I I think I that mean, we they, have gotten yeah. to a point where if you're a cool brand. You will figure out a way that people can kill and eat your mascot in a fun way. I mean, I had you, you were talking about the Pringles. I had some great ideas for the Pringles that I was really getting enamored with. You oh, know, and yeah. one, one was certainly having some of the snack size, mm-hmm, but but mm-hmm. big versions of those on the sideline, a la the Salvation Army yes! Bell that then the players could jump into and oh. have some Pringles in there for them after they score a touchdown. Genius. I'd like that. Genius. Um, with your choice of words, maybe you talked about this during the portion that I did not listen to, but I do not now know how there is not a green light dispensary bowl. I, dude, been waiting on it. edible mascot. Been waiting on it. That was something that Jason walked into accidentally a couple weeks ago when talking about the edible mascot thing. I said, maybe at some point we'll get an edible mascot. That's exactly what you made me think of. That's, so. we, we absolutely should have the green light dispensary bowl. Um, and everything that comes with that is an incredibly good idea. I will, I volunteer to MC as long as the folks at Greenlight are ready to make that jump with you on that one. Yeah. I mean, other than that, I mean, I, I do feel like, and, you know, it's a fine line because I know the, the like the Duke's Mayo Bowl really gets weird with the yeah. amount of mayo that they dump and everything. Yeah. And at some point you do feel like, wait a minute, you know, the homeless could really use this mayonnaise or something rather than dumping it on the field. So sure. I, that's why, you know, hey, I do like certain things that you dump. Like you dump the potatoes, hey, you can give them to a food, but they're still edible. Mm-hmm. You know, you can mm-hmm. give them to the community. I mean, mm-hmm. things. So, you know, I do. I mean. I mean, I think on the TV over your shoulder, I'm watching a Duke's mayonnaise mascot <laughs> kick a can of Duke's mayo that I don't think got donated to a food bank. But, you know, I mean, like dumping a bunch of Ritz crackers on the field. That's a waste. I mean, I don't necessarily want even the, the dumping the, the Pringles, although if they were just like, um, I, I, you know, I don't know, uh, 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 memorabilia type Pringles, uh-huh. like, you know, artificial that you could collect and you sure. pick up off the field like confetti. And, and save. Exactly. Save your confetti like the Super Bowl confetti, except you're saving your, your oh, I Classic know. Pringles. Okay, hit me. Do you remember the um, the pillow-shaped chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A that they were selling a few years ago? The pillow-shaped chicken. What do you mean yeah, the pillow-shaped? Do you mean like the biscuit bites? They had, mean- they had a, a chicken, they had like a little chicken nugget-shaped pillow. That they were selling. Oh, then, a literal pillow. A pillow. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. I mean, you make some little tiny ones of those, almost like Beanie Baby. Yes. Type size, a little smaller than that. They have little, just you know, plush chicken nuggets. I would have one of those. Yeah. I would have one. Of I would, those. I'm yeah. disappointed. I don't have the pillow. I don't think. I think I must have missed that. They went quick. I have to imagine. That's I mean, incredible. Right there with that Arby's sauce vodka that I tried to buy and it was sold out too yeah, fast. I, I mean, I have to, I mean, we're not getting out of here without finding out about Christmas vacation. Yes, uh, you can give your prediction in the next segment for cheap. We can talk about cheese Pringles next. Yeah, we can get get the football later. I mean, we, we gave, AFC we gave West, people 30 minutes of football off the top. This right. segment's for us and the next one's and for you I dumped out the notebook. I said a lot of crap that'll probably get me in trouble. So Matt said a lot.
lot of stuff. It was a, that was a great 2023 wrap-up. So most importantly, I watched Christmas Vacation for the first time at age 29. I watched it a couple days ago, and I texted Dylan and, and Mick and Jason to give them the heads up, and I knew we would be able to talk about it. I didn't know Jason was going to be here on Friday. So uh, this, is, this is perfect. Here's what I figured out. Christmas Vacation, especially the first 45 minutes or so, is a movie about a dangerous father putting his family in emotional and physical distress because he's chasing the magic of his youth that he will never fully reclaim, but that is what drives him, and I get it now. I get it. That makes that all totally tracks. Um, and the entire first like 30 to 45 minutes of just Chevy Chase just fighting trees, lights, and ladders stupendous i i get it. his best work clearly 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 his best work um i I was worried that i might have to come in with a lukewarm review and that jason would never speak to me again i was worried about that too and i might not speak to you again i i'm still very concerned because you said that the first 45 minutes were great so so what and every there the first 45 minutes were just just hits 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 the funniest individual moment for me in the entire movie was in was in the last act or, or near the, the end of the second end of the second act. Maybe? I hope it's the same one that one of my favorites. But what's your number? What's what's well, your I want to hear your first because then I'll tell you which one. Was, the la- I, I watched it by myself. Mine's a sight gag, by the way. So. Oh, okay. Mine mine is not. I guess Renee was gone. She had seen this movie. I had not, and she didn't really want to watch it again. So I watched it by myself in the basement. So when you're watching a movie by yourself, the, the the threshold to laugh out loud is higher. They go through the entire process of trying to get the old aunt to say grace. And that whole thing is pulling teeth. And then eventually she finally picks it up and starts saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Yes. And then the cousin stands up and salutes her <laughs> hand over his heart or whatever. That was a cousin laugh. Eddie's, yeah. Cousin Eddie standing up there and then the entire family going, Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. That was a laugh out loud moment for me. That that might be my single favorite, but both of the early ladder gags both got me. I am hashtag team neighbors. Um, I think the neighbors are in the right here on most Todd of this. Todd and Margot. Todd and Margot. I didn't realize that uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus was in this movie, um, which I guess I should have. But she's fabulous. I mean, pre Seinfeld, you know. That, really, I figured, so, yeah. I figured I mean, it, it would have had to have been that. It was probably. I mean, might have been filmed around the same time Crazy. as the first season, but yeah. Just dressed like characters from The Matrix, which post post Saturday Night Live, but pre Seinfeld. Yeah. It it uh, so I enjoyed I enjoyed the neighbors very much. But overall, I I what, my official ruling is that if it was like playing as a Christmas movie often is when you're hanging out with family or playing yeah. games or wrapping presents or whatever, I would 100 percent run the whole thing through in that circumstance. But I might not want to to move on to the next thing until that first 30 minutes is done because there is some truly great work there. Um, so I'm, I am fully welcoming Christmas Vacation into my Christmas movie Rolodex. That's my official ruling. I, I often have them like the movie playing like while I'm decorating, you know, yes. multitasking and everything like yes. that. I've seen it obviously, so I can just kind of listen to it and, and and enjoy the crack ups and things that I you know didn't hear the you know don't remember hearing and everything. So that once a year here you know reviewing and everything really kind of you know brings it back. And there's so many lovely little quotable lines that you'd probably not make a whole lot of sense that Jason and I have dumped on you. Bleeping rocks, bleeping bricks. Delivered by like a three-year-old, perfectly tremendous. Yes. The the things full. Um. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thing, the bleeper. Thing, the bleeper's thing full. Is full. Bleeper's full. I texted. I yeah. when when uh, when when I'll give Audrey a quarter two was said. I texted Mick and Jason and Dylan. And I said oh, they just said I'll give Audrey a quarter two. That's the thing Jason says all the time. Who could have imagined? Who 
knew? But anyway, so what's your what's your favorite moment? My, I mean, I mean, this is, I mean, talking about just in the last maybe half of the movie because I'm with you. I mean, most of the solid stuff in the first half of the it's movie and everything. Very like that. funny. Although, I mean, cousin Eddie. I mean, cousin Eddie and the whole family made me uncomfortable. I know it's the point, but also I didn't need them to be in any more of the movie. Yeah, and when he when he when he tells you know Clark you know he needs some money for Christmas and you know, make sure to get yourself something too nice, <laughs> real nice. <laughs> I mean, putting the extra large bag of dog food on top of <laughs> yes, the tiny. I didn't catch that. Jason missed, explained that. I missed that the first he time. Puts, he puts the little box of lights on the top of the pile, and <laughs> yes. then the massive bag of dog food crushes the lights. It's just it's I, the little I, things. I got the next bag of dog food being another enormous bag of dog I thought that was funny. I missed the lights being added in. So what's your favorite so, visual Okay, game? I guess it's a little semi-safe for radio and work and everything. Okay. But it's, it's the holidays. Yeah. yeah, so... Um, but uh, when spoiler uh, alert for Christmas vacation, Beverly D'Angelo, uh, when the when the police come in uh-huh. and everything, and you got the whole family there, and they come in and go freeze, and then she's right there and like has her hand on on Chevy Chase's crotch, yes. and this freezes right there, yes. and then the police come in and then she takes her hand away to, to, to introduce, say, "Welcome to our home," <laughs> shakes her hand and then puts her hand back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that also did. That also got a that got a that got a chuckle from me. Yeah. The hand that. Her definitively putting it back, freezing this. It was <laughs> putting just, it back was just the yeah the best part. Very very funny. So yeah, I um like I said, my mom gave me clearance on this one. Also, I just blame my parents. You know, we watched It's a Wonderful Life a lot. Um, this was a little Fine film. This was a, yeah. a little raunchy for some of my my I youthful days. That. I mean, there's probably a a edited for television version. Probably could have been so. appropriate for you, but, but that's okay. Well, we'll you know. I'm I'm glad I that I got it. to yeah. it. I'm glad that I I'm glad that I got I'm glad that still at this point in your life it was able to have a, a special meaning to you. I Because I, especially with Christmas movies, the nostalgia is absolutely part of it. Like, if, if It's a Wonderful Life came out right now, I'm not going to be at the theaters to see it. But because I have decades of it being on when my family's decorating or whatever, I have a special love for that. Didn't have the nostalgia for Christmas Vacation. Still good. Still enjoyed it. We'll start watching it more. Because the message is wonderful. I mean, you know, the message behind the movie is... No matter how insane your parents are and how much they put you in danger because of the holidays, <laughs> there's still love there. Yeah. There's family love. It's a story about family. And it's really, and, I think. And and hosing over your neighbors. And I think I mean, that, and that's why I'm not team Todd and Margo, because they're really jerks. Yeah, but I feel like they're jerks I mean, they because of something neighbor, that, that Clark but, did earlier in their neighbor oh, no, relationship. I mean, it's been definitely, I mean, they've been definitely wrong, but they're just so... Up top. I mean, yeah, there's clearly we need to know more about the past because something yeah. has happened. I I feel like I feel like the prequel that um, has they made a reboot. I, I, I mean, there's only that, obviously there's only three of the, Chris, the vacation movies to see okay. the original. Right. European vacation, which uh, European vacation. Uh, it's OK. Well, OK. I mean, well, OK. Vacation, the original one, probably, you know, for your sensibilities. Edited for TV version would probably be more just because of, yeah. yeah I don't want I don't want any of that raunchy nasty sure. stuff don't, don't watch that with your parents I won't so. <laughs> I won't I won't so. um, I think they delivered that message that you just laid out the the best when he is fully in the thralls of nostalgia and family memories and then is dropped out of the attic uh, <laughs> yes. unexpectedly just really <laughs> well locks seems to get himself locked in the attic and then just. And then unsurmountably squirrel trying to <laughs> why does he have a squirrel costume in the attic. 
We don't know. We don't care. And we don't need to know. We don't need to know. I do need to know what you think is going to happen with Chiefs and the Bengals. That's Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest brought to you by Cap One Lending. Yeah, we'll talk about the Chiefs with, with him. It's Christmas Vacation Digest right now here in the Zone Digest. All right, Matt Derrick. Where are you at right now on Chiefs Bengals? Two teams that love each other. <laughs> One with a quarterback that apparently looks like Joe Burrow. Just ask Bags. One with a quarterback that used to be Patrick Mahomes. Still bears a passing resemblance. Uh, one really, really good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, until the Chiefs prove me otherwise, I'm going to have to assume that there's just not a lot of offense there. But this defense should hold down the Bengals. <laughs> and especially with the talk this week, not a usually good sign for the talkers. So Chiefs 19, Bengals 16. It's a scary neighborhood, but I think it's the neighborhood I'm in also. I don't know. I just I hope the Chiefs can give maybe one quarter of offense. And then you can, they might get one quarter of the Bengals' offense. You can give Audrey a quarter, too. 